Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. Today we welcome Andy. Andy joined Bell Real Estate in St Kilda after a very successful 15-year-long career in the sport, health and fitness industries across Australia, USA and Europe. Andy's integrity, dedication and work ethic has helped him to achieve impressive sales results on behalf of his vendors and always keeping them at ease through the process. Recently, Andy was awarded Bell Property 2019-2020 Rookie of the Year and also crowned the number three overall sales agent for the entire Bell Property Victorian Network. So far, Andy has had an incredible career in real estate and we cannot wait to see his name more. Welcome, Andy. So first up, we want to ask you, why did you join real estate? Uh, real estate was probably always something that I was eventually going to end up in. Um, I've got a close mentor of mine, Maris Damasio, at the Baldwin office, um, who I actually used to train many years ago, um, who had been trying to get me into real estate for some time. When I was 19, I actually went for an interview at a real estate agency um, in Baldwin, very close to Maris's office. And it all went well, except that he told me I should have had a haircut. Um, prior to arriving, my hair was too long and it put a sour taste in my mouth and I left it and then 15 years later revisited. So um, it was. Pro- I've always been had really good relationships with people, um, always had an interest in property but probably more so the, the people side of it and I think it was just a, a timing thing. I think I was done in the fitness industry at 15 years and um, probably got to achieve a lot there that I wanted to achieve and then had a couple of little kids and thought it was time for the next phase. Mm, definitely and it's interesting to hear where people came from before real estate. There's so many people who are people, people, you know, particularly for yourself being in the fitness industry. Um, it's just like hairdressers who, you know, you hear everyone's life story because you spend so much time with your clients and you get to know them. And it's such a good context, I think personally, to be entering an industry where you're dealing with some life-changing moments that require a level of empathy, a level of people skills and understanding. So I think that um, probably says a lot as to your achievements. Um, very impressive intro, you know, as to what you've achieved. So that's awesome question for you what do you think has been your hardest transaction I know people probably remember maybe their biggest transaction what's been the hardest one for you along the way hopefully not too many (laughs) um the hardest one um I remember had one last year just before Christmas um a really special property we had um it was a beautiful home and an acre and we actually got a building report on the property um and it came the building report was fine but anyone who's got a building report um, knows that you get about a 30 to 32 page document that comes back <laughs> and the building inspector has to tick off on everything and protect themselves. So we had this report come back where the property was fine. Mm. Um, it was, you know, it was a 20 year old home. So I was going to have little bits and pieces, but nothing that was actually al- alarming enough. Um, it was enough, in fact, to, to scare the purchaser a little bit, mm-hmm. um, got second opinion, third opinion. It carried on for weeks and weeks. Um, mm. They really wanted it. We obviously wanted to get the sale done. Um, so we kind of had to get second opinions, go through the initial report breakdown, obviously what was of concern. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm in close contact now with those purchasers and they say it's the best decision they ever made. Um, so very, very happy family home. Um, but that one dragged on for weeks. So, yeah. Um, yeah, anyone who's had a building report knows that you get about 30 to 32 pages, as I said, of every single detail broken down. And often there's stuff in there that probably doesn't need to be in there. But if it's not the building inspector... Um, probably find themselves in some hot water at some point. So that'd, that'd probably be the hardest one. 
Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. And look, those clauses are there to obviously protect the purchaser, um, but when they drag on and on, especially when they really want it, that would be really, really Yeah, tricky. I think there's a lot at stake for everybody. So, um, you know, it was a perfect family home, swimming pool, tennis court, it was on an acre. So um, they'd, they'd kind of mentally moved in and this was more just a formality. Mm. Um, and then I guess we just had to get past that. Andy, what was your proudest moment in real estate so far? Um, probably recently the awards, to be mm. honest. Um, this is my second year in real estate, obviously, as, as we mentioned at the start. So my first year I spent with Morris pretty much just, just absorbing, um, absorbing and learning as much. And then I came over here to St Kilda um, with Sam and to probably have the – the success that I had in that first year was probably more than what we all thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so to to win Rookie of the Year was special, but probably the one that was more special, to be honest, was to be number three overall in Victoria for for Bell. So mm. um, you know we had my goals clearly defined at the start of the year, and then um, to almost three times that um, in a year where we had a second kid, where we'd had four months of COVID mm. from March till the end of June. Um, and then we'd also spend a couple of months away on holiday as well. So there was a lot in that year. Mm. Um, so probably to have those results in a year like that was probably definitely the most special. Mm, that's insane. I have a question for you off the back of that because, I mean, I know in the space how hard it is to achieve results. And it's even harder in sales because you are constantly up against someone else most of the time. You know, when it, when someone wants to sell their property, nine times out of ten, they're not just speaking to you. They're speaking to two, maybe three others. What sort of routines do you have? What sort of practices do you have in place that helps you to a, to achieve those high-level results? What do you put that down to? I've got my routines, my mm. daily routines that I do and that, that came from years of training athletes and high-level disciplines and whatnot which, which they need to have on a daily basis. So you've got your daily routines, what you do, but I think to, to come back, to bring this job back to basics mm. is we're people dealing with people. Mm. And, you know, Morris, my mentor at the start, used to always tell me that it's not about houses, it's mm. about people. Mm. And I kind of never really agreed, although I'd never been in the industry, mm-hmm. you know, you've always got an opinion when you're on the outside. And he said, it's got nothing to do about um, houses, it's all about people. And when you kind of remember that and remember that our job is about people and people buy off people they trust, mm. um, it's often a lot easier to be able to get really good results Um and, you know, it's, it's like anything. If you trust who you're dealing with, um, you're, you're going to want to transact with them. So mm-hmm. dealing, dealing with people is what this job is about. And when you've got high-level trust and you can build really high-level relationships, it probably makes um, the whole sales process and the sales transaction um, a lot easier than, you know, for someone who's probably not so genuine in the relationship they're building or whatnot, uh, people can kind of see through that. You've just got to come back to that, to the number one, thing of this job's about trust. Mm. Do you set yourself, I mean, obviously there's people listening to this who are real estate sales agents and, you know, maybe they have certain metrics and KPIs given to them by directors or um, that the teams come up with. Do you have, like, I think people underestimate what I'm trying to get out here is people underestimate the output to get the results. Do you have any personal standards or are there any standards set by the company of targets that you need to meet in terms of your output, Not not your sales, but your actual action? Yeah, um, yeah, they do. I've got my own. So on average, I, I measure everything that I do. So mm. I've got um, I've got Brittany who who helps me, mm. um, and she's pretty much the backbone to our team. So 
Um, but she, we record everything. So my calls are always between 500 to 750 calls a week. Um, That's a lot of calls. So if if you're on an iPhone, one goal that I set myself quite early on is by the end of the day, if you scroll all the way down, you still want to be on the same day. I think it's 120 calls. So I think we should adopt that. Yeah, so it's, 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 just, it's just a little accountability tool. So last week I had four days in a row where I was still on the same day. Now it's not good when you need to go back and find someone that you spoke to the day before. Yeah. Um, but we, we, measure, we measure everything. So daily and weekly calls and obviously in terms of appraisals, how many appraisals, book, listings, what we, how many we lost. Um, you know, in my first year we got into a heap of doors but I was losing all that and what I found was mm. I was going up against agents that had been in it for 20 to 30 years mm. um, and I was probably being a bit hard on myself that I was losing too many but I was getting told from a lot of my mentors that you're getting into a lot of these big homes and that's, you know, that's, that's the key. So, you know, Tom Panos always says he's got a really good quote, don't compare your chapter one mm. to somebody else's chapter 10 and that's mm. probably been the one quote that's really sat with me through real estate. There's guys that have been in it for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years and that have got a database and relationships with people for that long. So you can mm. work your backside off but you can't buy time and um, in essence you've got to kind of prove yourself as well. So mm, Most definitely. You mentioned before that you've had your second child. Mm. How do you maintain that work-life balance having kids? Um, that's tough. I think the big thing there is I've got a really supportive partner. Mm. So um, Sarah's an angel and she's, you know, we're on the same team. So I think I think that's the most important thing. I generally get my exercise done first thing in the morning, so 5, 5.30. Um, I'm gone, I train, I come back, I try and see the kids before work if I can. Um, we don't live too far from, from where we are, so it's a five or ten minute journey into work. So And then my wife at times we'll bring them in to come say hello, have a coffee. Um, one thing I've actually tried is to, to always be home for dinner, mm. especially recently. So um, when we're at work, we work. Um, and when I come home, school that I'm still trying to learn is to switch off, but it doesn't <laughs> always happen. So you might see the phone ringing or vibrating and you might have a look at it. But I think it's, it's not necessarily about totally disconnecting and shutting off. I think it's just more about prioritising. Mm. So, um, you know, you, our phones always ring 24-7 and we're obviously always ringing out. Um, my wife knows that. She knows it's part of the job. But what this job also allows is for me to do kinder drop-offs, which I now do. Mm. Um, it allows me to go to see my daughter's ballet um, uh, classes on a Friday at 10 o'clock as an example. Um, it allows me to, if, if we've got a doctor's appointment, we can we can go do that as well because mm-hmm. most of the job is on the phone. So there is good flexibility. Um, but I think the key is to make sure you've got a supportive partner that's on the same page as what you are. Mm, 100% because I think, you know, by all accounts, real estate is a very particular industry. I can't think of anything else that's similar in terms of the amount of effort that's put in and that you could be on call at any point in time. You know, if a deal's going through and, and you're transacting it at 11pm at night, that's what's happening because that's what you've got to do to get it done. So it's yeah, having that that understanding in the family that that's what it entails. Um yeah. You know, but on the flip side, as you mentioned, you can be flexible with your time and you sort of structure your day around your priorities. Um, so I think that's that's super important. Well, last year we 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 had two overseas trips last year, mm. and still work was work was really successful while we we're away. Mm. So you know, for for me, whilst we were there, is I don't ever want to be behind the eight ball. Mm. So I'm happy to be neutral, but I don't ever want to go backwards. And I'd, I I was up every single morning whilst we were away before the family got up and I'd spend an hour every single morning just sorting sorting out any calls or emails that I need to make were overseas and then another trip in Japan and just set the day up um, mm. and then I was fine. So when I came back I wasn't I wasn't behind the eight ball. Um, 
And I think it's just little things like that to make sure that you can stay on top of your game. But even last week, I got home 10.45 three nights in a row, which is really, really rare. But mm-hmm. we, had, we had a really big week last week. Um, and at one, one of the, I think it was Wednesday night, I quickly went home for five minutes. Literally, I got home at five to seven, left at two minutes past seven, mm. um, read my daughter a book and got back in the car mm. and left. So it's just little things mm. that you just got to um, make sure that you remember as well and don't forget. But as I said, my, my partner was fine and she's like, you do what you need to do. I've got the house covered. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, may, it makes things a lot easier. Definitely, definitely. I think that's a huge uh, key to success is having the support around you that you need and the understanding. Yeah, and I've got that at work as well. As I said, Britt, Brit, uh, my assistant who, who, who's amazing um, and, you know, she's – she's got my best interest at heart. We've got her best interest at heart. Um, Sam, our director, and John, they're incredible as well. So we've got a, I've got a really good team around me, not just at home but at work as well. Mm. Um, and that's probably, you know, what I've told a lot of people has allowed me to probably have the results I did in that first year mm. um, just by having a really, really good team around you. Because, yes, you work kind of for yourself but there's, there's a lot of moving parts in real estate. So, Andy, I know you're based in St Kilda um, for Bell Property, but what are your industry uh, predictions? Like what's the most up-and-coming area you think? How might COVID have changed the market as well? I think if you don't, if you turn the news off, um, <laughs> you'll realise that the market hasn't changed and the market's really, really strong. So, mm-hmm. the you know, our office now, I think we've just had our record month um, at that, at that St Kilda office and, you know, Sam might touch on this um, at some point when you have a chat to him is the market is really strong now. There's a lot of people that haven't been affected by COVID. There was a, there, there was a lot of help from the government. There's so many um, incentives now for first-time buyers to get into the market. Obviously, we've just heard um, about stamp duty, what's happened there as well. Um, where we are in Bayside, you know, I don't think anyone can remember when there was a 10 10% drop in Bayside, it, it virtually hasn't happened. For that to happen again, it's going to take something really drastic and I think we've recovered from COVID mm-hmm. a lot quicker and a lot stronger than what a lot of people thought. So um, what's going to happen? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been saying the whole time, I don't think we're going to go through a drop like what people are predicting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I said, we're at the forefront of it and I'm on the phone with 500 to 750 people every single week. So We've been called into properties, yes, that where there's probably some financial stress. Mm. But on the flip side, we're dealing with a hell of a lot of people that are ready to buy, that are wanting to sell to upsize. Mm. Um, next up and coming suburb, um, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> Payside's boomed so much. So I'm not sure how much growth there is left there. Probably further out, to be honest. You know, maybe you're lucky by Morris's and further up to the peninsula. A lot of young mm. families are moving out. I've sold during COVID for, for four families that have all sold and moved up to Queensland. Wow. So, um, and I know many people of others have done the same. So um, I think what we found is the CBD is no longer as necessary as what it was for, for work. So um, a lot more people are working from home. I don't know, I think this part within the city, you know, they always say invest within 10K of the city, which has always been the smartest thing, but the... The growth has been so rapid there. I'm just not sure if that level of growth is still going to, yeah, to to be as dominant as what it was. I'd agree with that. I think yeah, well, we've seen it firsthand, Kobe and I, in you know what we do and what buyers want. Um, and it's yeah, definitely shifted from the conversations that I was having in February this year. You know, people want different things, um, definitely further out. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds in the rest of the year. One for the people who are listening that are in the industry. You know, there might be an agent listening to this. 
what are your main tools? Like obviously there's all different products on the market that people use to, you know, track things, to do automation, to, um, you know, even from, you know, recording names and numbers at open homes. What are your go-to tools, tech tools that you use or that the company uses? Brittany. 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 Brittany keeps us very organised but, you know, there's a lot of CRMs out there. Yeah. Uh, when I was at the Ballwin office, I used to use Rex. When I came here to St Kilda, we used Box and Dice. Yeah, Box and Dice. So that yeah. was like talking two different languages. I'd never used one before. So yeah. um, I'd never used Box and Dice, obviously. Yeah. Whilst I was at Ballwin. So that's, that's an incredible tool. Everything's there. Um, Brittany and I have actually spent a lot of time the last four or five months systemizing everything with a lot of, a lot of help from, um, from some senior agents and some mentors of ours. Um, and we've put in some really, really um, high-end systems to allow us to track everything because you don't want to leave anything to chance. And mm. you know, when you're making 500 to 750 calls a week, it means you're getting in a hell of a lot of doors, mm. which mean, which is one thing, but then you've got to have the follow-up yeah. um, to make sure that you're not forgetting anybody. So, you know, we, we've slowed things right down um, and we're just about to implement a new Chase system, which Adam Josky, yep. head of Victoria, um, has helped us implement. It's a system that he used and it's incredible but it just takes time to set it up because um, otherwise there's too much left to chance and things will slip between the cracks. And on this job you're, you're, you're always going and you're always moving. Mm. Um, things are happening at a really, really quick speed. So um, Box and Dice helps. It's got tracks. It's got reminders. Everyone's contact details. I know Box and Dice is a common one definitely um, across, yeah. And you can tell when people are using it because of the way the emails come through because of text messages and things like that. But it's great. And I think um, as you touched on there with the follow-up, that's the most underestimated part of real estate on both sides of the fence. You know, Kobe and I on the buying side and yourself on the selling side. Follow-up, one phone call on a, on the Monday after an open home that's not it's not enough yeah correct you know it's it's really not and um the agents that i see do well or that you know our experience has been really good of and ones that we would recommend are the ones who do follow up and genuinely follow up as well you know not just did you like that yes no okay well you know something else might pop up callbacks on a monday are important um but what we probably pride ourselves on is trying to have the conversation at the property on the mm. weekend as well because by the time you get back to work on a Monday, as you guys know, probably we get about 35 to 40% of people answer a phone on a Monday, then we keep calling them on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Um, you don't generally get back to everyone and if you do, you can't have a, a, a proper conversation to find out what their needs are. And as an agent, open homes are your best, one of your best um, mm. lead generators because people come into a property have probably more often than not got something to sell mm. um, and if not, if it's not that property, you can probably swing them to another another property because if you're getting into a lot of doors, you've probably got to hold in a lot of off-market stock as well. So yeah. that's why our office generally moves a lot of off-market stock because we've got, I think we've got 35 staff now. Wow. We're getting into a lot of doors as, as a whole so we're just moving buyers in between obviously people like yourself and other advocates that call us to get through properties that they can't see online. So um Monday callbacks are important, but I think it's building those relationships at the opens as well. Um, you know, we still do the old school. We put them in the car and take buyers 
buyers around. It's not good for you guys taking your job. Um, <laughs> no. but, but it is, it's just service. It's just, we're, we're dealing with people. hundred percent. We yeah. laugh because we, um, Teresa, who, who's filming for us today, she asked, why do, why is it such a thing that real estate agents have nice cars? And I explained that sometimes they actually do drive buyers around and it's not just to do with expensive cars and expensive houses. It's actually to do with the fact that buyers may hop in their car and they might take them around on a tour. So it's nice to hear someone's still doing that, yeah, even though no, that's out. That's what we do, but it's okay. I've got a babysitter in the back of my car, so I, can't, I can only take three. Um, so, yeah, no, it is. It's just service. It's service. And I think we've got caught up in this whole new age with tech, 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 but people are still forgetting the human element mm. to, to what we do. And mm. um, tech is great. It's made things easier. Um, it's probably allowed, to, allowed us to expose ourselves more and market ourselves more. But when you're dealing with a person in a transaction, like we had a property that we – did a deal on yesterday and we were negotiating for, for almost 36 hours on it mm. and, you know, it was done face-to-face, not so much on the phone because, you know, everyone sit together and let's have a conversation how we're going to get this done. And mm. I think I think face-to-face and, you know, looking at someone in the eyes and giving a handshake is still incredibly important, especially in what we do. Going back to what you said before about off-market properties, are you finding that more people want to actually go on the market at the moment because it is so hot? There's a lot of hesitation in not only the market but the economy. No mm. one knows what's happening. No one knows what's ahead. COVID yeah. was COVID was somewhat of an evil beast to a lot of people. Um, people, I think, just want certainty. Certainty in, in, in their lives, certainty with their jobs, certainty with their families, certainties with their health. Mm. Um, and I think there's... There's not a lot of that right now. So to therefore go and expose your property and put it on the market when we don't really know what's happening, mm. you know, I've got a, I've got, I've got a, an incredible property now that we're, you know, I'm taking some buyers to it straight after this, but we're waiting to bring that to market next year. And, you know, the, we're, we're talking um, in the high nine millions, mm. but there's a lot of doubt mm. um, from us and the vendor on what's going to happen in the market. So do we expose that property now or do yeah. we hold off and get, you know, a little more confidence in what's happening Um so we, we're kind of just waiting that out as well to see because, as I said, we don't really know what we're dealing with at the moment. You know, COVID's, COVID's come and destroyed a lot of people and a lot of lives and, you know, although the market seems strong, you know, again, as many people are saying, we're, we're probably not – well, we've just – we've got 25 days, I think, now with no COVID cases. So mm. we're probably in a pretty good position <laughs> but, you know, they're saying a third wave can happen again and yeah. um, I think people are just really unsure if there's an opportunity for them to sell off market with a buyer then great. You know, we just took a buyer through this uh, – through a property this morning off market. If, if they can sell it, we'll sell it. As you guys know, probably one out of ten properties that may happen and, it's, mm. you know, it's like a Hail Mary for a vendor, mm. uh, one buyer and – one, one for one. Yeah, one for it's one, correct. It's, it's pretty good. But yeah. I think it's just a lot of uncertainty right now. It's a hot market, but is it a bubble? We don't know. Yeah, time will tell. Just in closing, one uh, final question for you. What do you wish you, you knew before joining the industry? That's a good question. Um, my background has probably allowed me to probably fast track quicker than what I wanted to fast track or mm. that I, not that I wanted to, that I thought I would fast track because mm. I've spent 15 years dealing with people mm. and that's that's probably what's really, really helped me. Um, probably I wish I had probably had more of a tech background um, yeah. to, to utilise tools that are out there to allow us to market ourselves more and expose ourselves more. That's probably... Um, where I lack probably really good with the 
people side of it. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole other side now that's helping our industry. And obviously, you know, that's something that we'll learn, but that's probably something that I wish I had more of an understanding on. Thanks for joining us today, Andy. For all our listeners, don't forget to follow us all on Instagram at Humans of Real Estate and also Andy, Emily and I's Instagram handles will be in the description. Certainly. Thank you, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you in. Um, I'm sure people listening today have got lots of value out of what you've had to say and we look forward to seeing what next year brings for you. Thanks for having me, guys.